You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Gators Breakdown, the Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. Gators Breakdown, episode 142, is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SDC. And joining me on this episode of Gators Breakdown, my co-host Will Miles is not able to join us tonight, but I have a really good guest who can... Give us some insight on Dan Mullen, how he ran things at the Mississippi State program and uh, expectations at Florida. Matt Wyatt. Matt is a former quarterback at Mississippi State from 1996 to 1999. You can follow him on Twitter at Radio Wyatt. Currently, he's a radio analyst for Mississippi State football and also the host of Head to Head Weekdays Statewide on Super Talk Mississippi Radio Network. Matt, thank you so much for joining me here on Gators Breakdown. Yeah, glad to, David. Yeah, but you know, plenty to talk about. Gator fans are excited for uh, uh, Dan Mullen, and we'll get into all that. But today, uh, you know, people can find your film breakdown uh, on your YouTube channel, uh, and you released one today on the Gators and Dan Mullen's offense, and it was titled "Florida Spring Game: Mullen Offensive Basics." And Matt, you did a really good job of of quickly identifying what you saw in Florida Spring Game and how it relates to what Mullen has done in the past and why that, why it's so successful. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, I kind of just, you know, scanned through the game. I didn't go back and watch plays over and over, just watch the whole thing. And several things kind of jump out, you know, as much um, Dan Mullen offense as I've watched over the last 10 years, <clears throat> it was easy to recognize a few things, you know, a few of the screen packages and where, you know, the run game was built and, you know, the old power, it, it looks like power because you're pulling somebody up in there, but Really, most of the spread guys are calling it outside zone because you're pulling one tackle up through the chute, but everything could go out the backside if it gets clogged. And so that outside zone run down there in the red zone, recognize that. And then, um, you know, some of the pass game, too. That's one thing, um, you know, if, you, if I think back to 2009, 10, and 11, and 12, those first four years that he was in Starkville, watching him just kind of – just steadily um, drill these quarterbacks and their confidence on all the little things that you kind of take for granted, like completing a six, you know, a three-step drop slant on third and five. Um, you think, you know, a lot of times I think what coaches do, they get guys in and you're all trying to, you know, build this advanced stuff. Man, Mullen, one thing I like about him is it's it's baby steps for the quarterback. 
once you get to the point where not nine out of 10, but 99 out of 100 times you complete that slant on third down, then we'll move on to some of the other stuff, you know? So that's kind of what I saw in the spring game. All right, we'll uh, dive into uh, uh, his thoughts on Dan Mullen and, and and the program, what he built at Mississippi State and what the expectations are at Florida. But before we start, remember, you can find all your Gators Breakdown episodes on newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. There you will find all the Gators Breakdown episodes as well as articles from the News for Jack sports team. That's newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. Also, you can listen on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube if you want the video version. Follow Gators Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. Hey, when using their services, please rate and review the show. Let Gator Nation know what they're getting with Gators Breakdown. Uh, Matt, take us back to, to Dan Mullen's tenure at Mississippi State, and you hit on the you know the simple things he asked from his quarterbacks a little bit. But he come in after Sylvester Croom and, and was tasked with turning the program around as a first-time head coach. You know, he did that, doing more with less, really made Mississippi State a, a relevant football program in the SEC year in and year out. What made Mullen such a successful in his tenure at Mississippi State as far as culture goes and just getting that thing turned around? Yeah, culture, I think, is the right word. Um, when, if, if you want to kind of like a history lesson, if you go back to 09 when he got the job at State, he was taken over for Sylvester Croom, as you said, who Coach Croom did a nice job <clears throat> kind of instilling this baseline of behavior. I mean, they you know, every program's got some off-the-field issues, but in terms of – Grade-wise, the team was in good shape. Guys were going to class. They were going to tutoring. They were making their grades. Academically, everything was solid when Mullen took it over. <clears throat> Excuse me. But what he had to do was he had to then focus on, you know, how do you get this program competitive on the field? So, number one, he was hired to be an offensive guy. That's why he was hired is because of the offensive numbers they put up at Florida. And – he was kind of viewed as maybe the top, certainly one of the top offensive assistants in the country. So he immediately did a couple things. He went to work on evaluating the players that he had in the program that first year to say, okay, look, there's no excuse. We got to score points now. There's no such thing as I've taken this job. It's going to take me three years to get my players in. And No, no, no. His approach was, <clears throat> there's guys here who can score points, believe it or not. Now, they hadn't scored before, but his attitude was, with me, I'm going to identify what they can do, and then we're just going to go do it and score points. And the other thing he did is he really energized the fan base. He started trash-talking Ole Miss, chirping at them, <laughs> you know, which state fans love that. He was calling the school up north and all that stuff. So he really kind of fired everybody up in terms of the rivalry. And it immediately translated to, excuse me, <clears throat> it immediately translated to a big crowd in the spring game that first year. State had never had that before. When I say big crowd for State, it was at that time maybe like 28, 29,000 people. That was a big crowd <laughs> for State then. And, um, and then right out of the shoots, the first game, his first uh, fall, they went out and scored points. And they did it by – when you look back on it, it was very basic zone read stuff out of the shotgun, spread concepts, easy throws, just do it consistently. And um, he, he, by doing, and then he beat Ole Miss his first year, you know, at the end of the year. And by doing that, everybody was on board. Money started coming in. He transformed the facilities. Um, 
And so now if you fast forward 10 years later, every offensive record in the Mississippi State records books belongs to Dan Mullen. It belongs to guys that played for him. Um, <clears throat> obviously, guys like Dak Prescott, but not just him, others as well. And then, um, um, you know, also um, you look at the facilities, his facilities uh, at the end of his tenure versus when he got there, absolutely night and day from the stadium to the practice facility to the team locker rooms and everything. Um, I can't say enough about the steady job that he and Scott Strickland did. Just they'd set a goal, they'd see the door, they'd knock the door down, they'd point out the next door, they'd go knock it down, and just stuck to their plan. Uh, the one thing, now I will tell you, the one thing that Dan never did um, consistently, they never went out and like hit these big home runs in recruiting. It's just not his M.O. Over 10 years at State. And for a long time, people said, well, it's a, it's not a Dan Mullen problem. It's a, Dan, it's a Mississippi State problem. Yeah, it was tough to recruit to State there for a while. But he just wasn't the guy or the staff that they were making the headlines every year in recruiting. It was more so every year overachieving according to recruiting. And that was kind of the, the M.O. over those 10 years. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I was going to bring recruiting up later on, but since you just hit there, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and hit that nail on the head. Uh, you know, he's had the great reputation, as you said, for doing more with less. And you know, and there are inherent disadvantages of recruiting at Mississippi State against Alabama, LSU, Texas A&M, Auburn, you know, those schools. Uh, but as you mentioned, was it was it a worry under under Dan Mullen? Was recruiting a worry or? Did, was it not so much of a worry because of what he proved on the field? And how do you see that fitting into the recruiting world in the state of Florida? So now he's going against yeah. FSU, Miami, but also the way Georgia's recruiting just north of him. And he's got his work cut out for him. But uh, yeah. if he can come in year one, do more with less again, you know, a lot of fans are thinking that, that could take care of recruiting in and of itself. I, I'm I'm telling you, um, yeah, I kind of see that happening from a distance and – I don't even say this in terms of a knock on Dan Mullen at all or the staff, but I believe this to be true. When you look at Georgia, they're not going to out-recruit Georgia. It's not going to happen. As long as Kirby Smart is there at Georgia, you can chalk that up. It won't happen. It's it's partly maybe because of Georgia, but partly too, I just think Dan's approach is a little bit different than other people. All that said. I think Florida fans also need to hear this. This is my perspective on watching him operate at state. Every year here, it seemed like there would be one or two maybe uh, recruiting battles out there where he's going head to head with Ole Miss or something like that. And it would come down to the wire. And there was always this angst when that kid would go somewhere else. State fans would tell you their perception is that 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 late decision every year, one or two late decisions wouldn't go his way. It'd go some other school's way. I don't remember a single one of those being kids that went somewhere else and became great players and went on to the NFL and made you feel like Dan missed out on something. Honest, that's the honest to God truth. Instead, he has a track record at state of guys like Dak Prescott 
uh, KJ Wright. Well, I guess KJ was already there, but Gabe Jackson, who he signed, Fletcher Cox, you know, who comes in as a four star from the Mississippi Delta, highly recruited. Sure. Now he's the highest paid defensive lineman in the NFL, you know, in a first round draft pick a few years ago with Philadelphia. Now he's got a Super Bowl ring there. I, I would just encourage Florida fans to understand that, and I've seen him do it. He is going to do it his way. Um, outside chirping about, you know, we need to do this or we finish here in recruiting. It has no effect on him at all. He is super confident in the way he wants to do it and the kids that he's going to sign him for what reason. And he's also super confident that he can take a guy who is a three-star out of high school who's willing to work a little bit and he's really confident that he's going to coach that kid to overachieve. And, and he'll just – they're consistent. His program at State was so consistent. They could execute things. They would never wow you maybe on the recruiting trail, but they would just beat you to death in the fall running the ball right down your throat. And he'll have better players overall, more of them at Florida, and they're going to score points. I mean, it's going to happen. I'm glad you brought that up. You know, he yes, the, the talent gap is going to close with Georgia and Alabama and LSU and those teams just by going to Florida in and of itself. And you had Cole Kubik on your show a couple weeks ago, and he he mentioned Florida winning a national championship under Dan Mullen. Do you see if Mullen hangs around, you know, the 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 say just for a number's sake, just around tenth in recruiting year in and year out? Yeah. Is he a good enough coach to make that difference up of beating the elites of Alabama and Georgia with the way they're recruiting you know, FSU and state is, it, you know, there I'm a firm believer in stars matter. And those are the teams that, you know, are in the playoff year in and year out. Mm -hmm. But, you know, mm -hmm. there's also the fact that you, you, you have a coach and that can make up uh, the difference. And there are, you know, exception to the rules uh, year in and year out that, that go to the playoffs and, and make a, make a name of themselves in the college football playoff. Is Dan Mullen a good enough coach in your eyes to to maybe not recruit at elite level, but still win at an elite level? Um, yeah, I think yes. You know, um, I think the real question is at a place like Florida, what is the trend in the first three or four years? Because that will really tell the tale of how much time is he going to get, sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Also, um. You know, I, I think it's a really interesting time for Florida fans, honestly, because Mullen does have that ability to to take a bunch of if they're it, it, he'll take a bunch of guys and change the culture in the weight room for he'll transform them in the weight room because he believes in it. I'm telling you right now, you look and see that Florida football team will look like a different bunch of guys when they run out there for that first game in September versus what they looked like a few weeks ago for that spring game. They will be transformed, and it'll, it'll be noticeable, the fan base. And then the other thing is they will find some things they can do offensively, and they will do it consistently well against everybody they play. You guys saw it when he was the coordinator uh, there. Of course, you had great players, you know, under Urban Meyer, great players. But he did it here, too. Um I would say yes. If you look at the last few years at Mississippi State, the one team he never clipped was Alabama. You know, he mm -hmm. almost got him this past year, but he um, he he got LSU what two out of the last three or four times. That he, you know, he, he got them. 
He had a rough go of it the last two years against Auburn, but he had about a three-year stretch in the middle there where he beat Auburn every year, and he had a winning record against Ole Miss. So those are three schools that every year did finish higher than he did in the recruiting rankings You know, every year. Mm-hmm. Part of that is because in Mississippi, there, there's a ton of rural high schools. There's a ton of smaller high schools where you got, I mean, Chris Jones, for instance, you know, who was a, um, uh, he, he's a starting defensive lineman for the Chiefs right now. He was a second round pick. He went three years to school and, and then came out. Chris hopped from one small high school to another. They didn't even know about him. The coach, uh, Coach Hevesy, went to his high school, Houston High School, one year and wasn't even really recruiting him, just stopping in and just saw the kid, asked the coach, said, who is that? He goes, well, he just moved in here from Nettleton. And they get to talk, and he invites him to camp. They watch him for three hours at camp and immediately offered him. And within two months, the kid was ready to five-star. To, so I tell you that to show you that in Mississippi – they um, went into all the high schools and they recruited every small school uh, in the state. You know, there were some kids they signed over the years that um, state was the, and Mullen and staff were the first ones to know about them. Um, So there, so it's a different game for him in recruiting now, but um, I I think that he will take what he has now. Immediately. You're going to be better when you run out there this fall. And within two or three years, if quarterback works out, and generally it does for Coach Mullen, then um, Florida's going to be back on track, and then it'll come down to the same thing it was at when he was at State. Can you knock off those big boys, the ones that are signing, you know, Georgia signing eight five-stars in every class or some ridiculous something like that? Can you <laughs> knock off those big boys? Well, yeah, I was going to ask you about how fast can we expect to turn around on offense. You know, it, it sounds like you expect a, an offense maybe not to your top, you know, top 30 offense right off the bat, but you do expect to turn around in year one, uh, especially at quarterback. And I had a listener send in a question, uh, Kay Goodman, uh, and it was, you know, from all your film watching that you did at Mississippi State and what the little you saw for the spring game uh, for Florida, you know, which what traits does Mullen look for in naming a starter? Is it running ability, accuracy, uh, and does one outweigh the other? Uh, and since Mullen has come here, he has preached accuracy since uh, his opening press conference. Uh, but during the spring game, they were talking to him, and he goes, he has to have a willing runner not at quarterback, not necessarily mm-hmm. a running quarterback. Yeah, that's a great answer by him because that really describes the way he's approached it. Um, he said something over the last two, three years when he was at State, and he repeated it that really stuck with me because it's something I noticed in his last few quarterbacks. And you'd say, okay, what's the most important characteristic of the quarterback position? He would say it's toughness. Toughness is the most. So then you think, okay, was he is he talking about mental toughness, physical? T-? Well, he's just kind of talking about all of it. Um, and and so let me I give you an example. Nick Fitzgerald uh, at Mississippi State. Again, you're talking about a kid who threw I think 70 passes his entire high school career. He was a receiver most of his career in a running offense. He sees him at camp, decides to sign, sign him because he's a big, tall, good athlete with a strong arm, signs him. By the time Fitz started getting on the field, this is one thing you've noticed with his last couple of years, Fitzgerald really is a plus runner. He's a legit 6'5", mm-hmm. 225, 4'5", maybe even 4'4", guy in a 40. But his biggest attribute is in a fourth quarter, 
of a September game when it's brutally hot, the defense is tired of hitting him, and they've been popping him all day long. Fitz jumps right back up, runs right back to the huddle, and just keeps right on coming. He, physically, they cannot get to him. He's tougher than them. That's what Mullen is talking about. And what I see is you can't play for him if you're not, excuse my language, the toughest SOB on the field. <laughs> you can't play for him if you're not. And you look at the guys who've played for him and been successful, Tebow at Florida, the toughest guy on the field. When he came to Mississippi State, Chris Ralph, people forget mm -hmm. about Chris Ralph. That guy, he by the time he's my age, he'll be walking like Fred Sanford because he's so beat up <laughs> because they rode him and rode him, and he just kept on coming. Prescott, obviously, mentally, physically tough, one of the greatest leaders because of his toughness. So that's what he's looking for. And, you know, he'll find the guy who has that kind of mentality and he'll put um, things in the in the play sheet that he can do. He won't be asking him to, you know, try things during a game. They'll have it whittled down to look. You can do this in your sleep. If I call it, just go do it. And he'll have them confident, and they will they will look like a different team this year. But you got to see, you know, Florida last year struggle on offense. A lot of it, you know, and I'll get past quarterback probably after this one here. But you know, that's that's. The, the, the position he was pretty much brought to fix at Florida, yeah. uh, of course, you know, and, you know, Felipe Franks was the, the starter most of the season. Uh, a lot of fans are ready to move on from him. You got Kyle Tratz as uh, a guy who's never started in high school, mm -hmm. a, a backup. Yeah. He was injured last year. Then you have Emory Jones, the highly touted true freshman. Would it be a surprise to you at some point if Emory Jones started for in 2018? It would only surprise me for this reason. Is he the most talented guy you have? Yeah. Does he have the most upside? Yeah. But, and again, this is something that I know some Florida fans probably don't want to hear. State fans, if they hear me say this, they'll roll their eyes because they were kind of tired of it over the course of nine or ten years. But Mullen's MO is just because you may be the most talented as a young guy, that doesn't earn you playing time. Um, th there have been a lot of cases in his time at Mississippi State where you might have a highly recruited newcomer, JUCO guy, or a freshman, but for some reason, this this senior who's been there forever, who seemingly is not as talented and not as explosive, but he's the one getting all the snaps, and fans were like, why? The reason is, in his system, at least this was this way at State, you earned every snap at practice and um, at running back. You know, you may be a great ball carrier, but if you weren't perfect in all your protection stuff, you didn't play at all. You didn't get snaps, and it would frustrate those young running backs, you know. So at quarterback, it would sort of surprise me if if this incoming freshman kind of – elevates that quickly because Mullen is so he's so hard on them in terms of earning those snaps right and but at the same time he's taken over a team that everybody's new to him you know mm -hmm. I, I would just say that if you look um look at his time at Mississippi State when he got the job there was an incumbent named Tyson Lee who was the older guy he was a little bitty starter Tyson was a quarterback Ralph didn't play until right at the end of the year. 
And then when Ralph took over, he was by far the best. <laughs> and then he played. Well, during the time when Chris Ralph was the starter, his backup was a tall kid named Tyler Russell, who was highly recruited, had an offer from Alabama. Well, Tyler rode the bench. And when he got in and started throwing the ball, you're like, holy cow, he throws it so much better. than." <laughs> well, they just made him earn every snap, and they're going to do the same thing here. Side note on that, if you're a, um, a Florida fan, I think Tyler Russell, who played started for Dan in like 2012 and 13, is a very, very, very similar player. Build, strengths, arm strength, athleticism, size, everything to Felipe Franks. And I could very easily see if Franks wins the job, I could probably go back and put on that 2011, 2012 mm -hmm. tape and see a lot of the same stuff. Yeah, ever since Mullen's been hired, you know, of course, a lot of us go Gator analysts, and we've been going back and looking. That I completely agree. That's the quarterback that I compared him to the most. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and not going back and watching so much film as uh, as you do and breaking it down and knowing the position like you do, but you know, just from uh, from afar, that's exactly where I kind of see it as well. Yeah. Uh, if we go to the other positions, your Florida's deep at running back uh, with Scarlett, Malik Davis, or Michael P. Ryan, and incoming freshman as well, uh, potentially deep at wide receiver if Van Jefferson and Trayvon Grimes uh, get cleared by the NCAA. Mm -hmm. uh, what can Mullen do if the quarterback situation doesn't improve uh, as much as, as Gator fans hope? Are we looking at a really run-heavy offense and, and short throws to Kai to try and get those skill players the ball? Uh, and I kind of want to follow that up with uh, another listener sending the question, uh, T. Carter Tan. Uh, Mississippi State fans had issues with Mullen's conservative run-oriented play calling. Uh, could you detail how he evolved at Mississippi State in areas you'd want to – see him expand or improve on. So is it, yeah. is it going to be a run-heavy offense, and what are, what are things Dan Mullen can do better? I think that you're going to feel like it's a run-heavy offense, especially out of the gate. Um, there's nothing better for the development of a quarterback in your first year or two for a guy like the freshman or you know whatever. There's just nothing better – for the development of the quarterback, there's nothing better for the confidence of the offense than being able to run the ball. In his time at State, everything's built off the run game. Uh, in games where they couldn't move the line of scrimmage and run the ball, they lost. And in every game they won, they ran the football down people's throat. It was They, they didn't win any games where they ran it for 90 yards and threw it for 400. Those don't exist at Mississippi State under Mullen. It's all about running the ball. In his first few years, he used a fullback. I mean, it's crazy, but you go back and look, 09, 10, 11, they had, you know, Sylvester Hemphill and Patrick Hanrahan playing fullback, lead blocking stuff, still out of the shotgun, though. So with your running backs, and I'm telling you, those guys can play at Florida, those running backs. They are uh, they're going to have some fun playing for Dan Mullen and behind that offensive line of Hevesy, and it's going to make everything go. It That's where the pass game comes from, is the threat of the run constantly. And once he gets a little, that's, you know, zone run scheme working on people, he, he motions people around and moves defenders out of the way to get the home run throw and just drives defenses crazy because you're making three and a half, four yards a pop, and you can do it every time. He and Hevesy are tight. They've been together forever. They really know what they're doing. I would ask you, and this is something I don't really know about, what about offensive line in terms of talent and depth? Is it good? 
Uh, starting five can be good. Uh, and uh, I was going to ask you about the same thing just far as system goes, but that's where it is. You know, Florida, Martez Ivy, five-star left tackle. A lot of talk of him maybe trying to move inside, but during the spring, stayed at, stayed at tackle. That was kind of a big – not a really big surprise, but there was a lot of wonder if, it would be, if he would be better served because he played guard when he first came to Florida, uh, moved out to tackle once you know, uh, David Sharp graduated to slid him out to tackle. Yeah. Uh, but I really liked him at guard. He was a road grader in high school, played in a really run-heavy offense. Uh, hasn't really lived up to the five-star billing at tackle. Uh, but uh, my, I think my worry is how fast can these guys move? Because you, uh, what you pointed out in your spring game analysis is a lot of the pulling that these guys do. And there was some examples of that in the spring game where the, the tackle would come around and, and get the linebacker and, and spring the run, especially on the scarlet touchdown that you uh, that yeah. that you highlighted. But it, it is they got to get some questions uh, at, at center figured out as well. TJ McCoy kind of incumbent there, but Brett Hagee, who was injured didn't really take part in spring. He may be the guy there uh, at center or definitely one of the guard spots. So I, I think the starting five can be pretty good. I do have worry about depth after that. Depth. Yeah. Well, um, that will be a huge part of it. I, I think um, I have a high regard for the job that Hevesy did all these years at state in that you know, there were a few highly recruited linemen, you know, their first year in there, they had a guy who was already at state, Derek Sherrod, who was a first round pick for green Bay, uh, a few years later, they had Gabe Jackson, who now, you know, he's a starter in Oakland, really good players. By and large, though, they took some guys who you thought were projects. There were not very many four- and five-star signees in the offensive line group over those years. And, man, they coached them up and they played some good football. You go back to that 2014 team that State had, um, you had one walk on starting Ben Beckwith at left guard and turn. He was all SEC guy before it was over with. Uh, you had Blaine Clausell, a left tackle who they signed out of Mobile as a two star who became a three year starter and has been in the NFL after signing a free agent deal for about five years now or four years or whatever it is. Hevesy can coach them up. They have a, they run a tight operation on that, on that offensive side. So, um, as more talent gets in there, you know, you're going to see it, you're going to see it pop in a few years, but they will be run heavy. Those running backs are going to get the ball. There'll be a variation. There will be some times, I think, you know, in this first year where Florida fans are going to look at it and go, boy, there ain't a whole lot of 15, 20 yard plays, but holy cow, we're going up and down the field, four yards a pop. And they'll be able to do that. And, It'll spring the pass game as that gets going. A couple more thoughts here from Matt White before I let him go here uh, on Gators Breakdown. And I'm at the, you know, also, Lyndon, talk about that offensive line, and you mentioned it earlier, strength and conditioning is a big thing. Florida fans are, are really hoping uh turns things around, too, as it's come out lately that there just wasn't a lot of strength and conditioning under uh, Jim McElwain uh, toward the end of his tenure there. Uh, let's go move to the defense for a second. Uh, what a heck of a turnaround for Todd Grantham uh, and Mississippi State's defense last year. Uh, Florida fell off a bit after losing some talent, and, and Jeff Collins, a guy you know very well too, yeah. uh, leaving uh, for his Temple job, and Randy Shannon taking over as defensive coordinator. What did Grantham uh, bring on the surface? You know, What did he bring on the table for such a fast turnaround on that side of the ball? Well, the number one thing is the year before, P Peter Sermon was a defensive coordinator, and he, he had never been a coordinator before, and – he he just was not ready for that. Uh, I'm not sure 
you know, Peter's a really sharp, cerebral kind of guy, but and he must have interviewed really well because Dan hired him as a linebackers coach out of USC, made him a coordinator, and was in over his head from day one. Uh, the defense was not instinctual at all in 2016. They stood around and watched things happen. It, it was bad. And then he went to Sermon went to Louisville this past year, and they did the same thing at Louisville. It was just bad. Um, Grantham then comes in and takes over this unit, and they had a, it, it, especially like if you look at it now at what Grantham left, it's yeah. a loaded defensive roster. So he had great players, great size, a lot of length at linebacker and defensive end, and. Grantham did exactly what Mullen does on offense so well. And that is instead of coming in and going, well, I want to run a three, four and I want to, or I want to be a nickel D he just spent time evaluating what he had and said, okay, this guy can do this. This guy can do this. This is what we're good at. Uh, let's try this. And, and so basically he did everything he could do to put everybody in the right position and then just turn them loose get them to go fast with the attitude, Grantham's attitude of if you make a mistake going 110 miles an hour, we'll be fine. I'd rather you make a, I'd rather you screw it up going hundred miles an hour than to do it right. Going 60 and play fast and have fun. So what happened? They got confident and Grantham. If you go back and you watch uh, the Alabama game, the Texas A&M game, um, he had some things working from a scheme standpoint to pressure the other quarterback. It was really impressive. Uh, they got off the field a bunch on third downs against Jalen Hurts in Alabama uh, in that game to give him a chance to win. And it was all about using the players he had. He put them in nickel and he'd blitz that nickel safety off one hash and zone blitz it on the other and drop a defensive end because his personnel could do that. So Florida fans can get ready. They are going to at times line up in some stuff you don't recognize. You're going to go, how are we getting pressure on a quarterback? Where are we coming from? You know, it's like a, and because he's going to have people lined up all over the place. There'll be a nickel. Sometimes it'll look like he's got all, he, it, sometimes it'll look like they don't have but two defensive linemen in the game. He's very creative, very aggressive, and it'll be fun. All right. One last thing for you. A quick preview. We know Florida goes to Starkville. Uh, it's going to be a heck of an atmosphere when Dan Mullen makes his return to Starkville, and I'm sure <laughs> fans are already getting ready for it. Uh, and I tell you what, it, pre- previewing it from this far out, and we we, we you you brought up the talent that uh, Todd Grantham left behind. We, we just got to talking about the Florida offensive line. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest mismatch on the field for me right now is that Mississippi State front versus that Florida offensive line. Yeah, State's going to put a lot of people in that position this year. Um so I'll give you a scouting report. I know Florida fans, and we may have some that come up. And if you do, y'all tweet me, and I'll tell you where to eat and all that kind of stuff while you're up here. <laughs> um, but uh, Jeffrey Simmons is a legit contender to be a first-round pick. This is his third year in school, but he'll leave early, I would think. He's a defensive tackle, first-team guy. You also have Montez Sweat, who came back for his senior year, led the SEC in sacks last year. Um, and then – we add on the other defensive inside Chauncey Rivers, who was he signed with Georgia out of high school, went to Scuba, last chance you, you know, signed with State, and then registered this past year. Well, now he's uh, in the mix, and that's a huge addition. State's front seven is really, really deep. And um, they also add in Brian Cole, a former Michigan signee, went to, 
last chance you sign with state. They throw him into the mix back there at safety. So um, states, if they're healthy, they're loaded from a personnel standpoint on defense. And um, there's a lot of team states play that'll they'll play this year that'll have their hands full. And on offense, state uh, their best position group is running back. They're really solid and experienced on offensive line. You got Fitzgerald and Thompson at quarterback. What you don't have right now at state is the constant outside threat, a deep ball threat. They signed some players. They signed a number one receiver out of JUCO, Stephen Gidry, all this stuff. But sometimes those first-year players, it takes them a few games to get going, and we'll see if they're ready by the time Florida comes at the end of September. Yeah, it's going to be a go, go be a fun game. And Dan Mullen was even asked about it tonight at a, at a uh, speaking engagement in Lakeland. He's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's going to be the biggest game in Mississippi this year. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, uh, at that time, it certainly will be. State fans, will, it's going to be a mixed bag, I'll tell you, because the yeah. truth is, uh, the truth is, uh, you know, Dan, this, okay, let's just put it like it is. Dan doesn't have a natural, warm personality. He's not the kind of guy that, uh, you know, 50,000 people over the course of 10 years felt like they got to know him. I, it's That's not him. What he did is he, he handed off the keys to the program to the next guy in better shape than had ever been done before. When he got the job, some parts of the program were awful. Facilities, awful. Uh, on the field offense, awful. Now, <clears throat> stacked roster. State's facilities from a stadium to practice to everything are, frankly, their top half of the SEC now somewhere. Getting better. They just announced new additions to the stadium today, all this stuff. He's largely responsible for all that. So you're going to have about 50,000 people who are going to boo him. There will be 10,000 that don't. There will be 50,000 that boo him, but about – 40,000 of those 50,000 are going to be booing him just for fun. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Exactly. There'll be a small portion that are booing him that really do think they dislike <laughs> him for leaving or something. But the fact is he did a heck of a job. Um, he worked his butt off. He was consistent. He never embarrassed the program, never embarrassed the school. Um, he put his players in a position to win and he elevated the thing. It's a whole lot better off when he left. Yeah. Matt, thank you so much. We'll definitely get you back on uh, the week of that game when, when Florida travels to Starkville uh, and goes against Mississippi State. Uh, guys, you can find him on Twitter at Radio Wyatt uh, and uh, uh, his radio show, Head to Head, weekdays uh, on Super Talk Mississippi Radio Network. Uh, Matt, I can't thank you enough for joining me here on Gators Breakdown. My pleasure. Anytime. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Good interview there uh, from Matt. Uh, glad he could really join us, uh, give us the, the really insight on Dan Mullen, uh, his time at Mississippi State, what he expects here, over his time at Florida, uh, and, and going forward. Uh, some really good insight on recruiting uh, under Dan Mullen, the quarterback position. Uh, and I really like what he said about Todd Grantham and how he uh, pissed, uh, pissed those players in a good situation uh, on the defensive side of the ball uh, as well, which was a big improvement for Mississippi State uh, last year. Uh, as well. So hopefully that can kind of transition into the same uh, a big turnaround for the Florida defense uh, as well. Yep. Uh, as you noticed, uh, Will not joining me t- tonight. Uh, this is kind of 
we're going to have we was going to have our episode on our normal Tuesday night, uh, but Matt wanted to move that up. So I was going to squeeze him in here. Uh, but look, it, it kind of works out uh, as well. A lot of info on, uh, of course, uh, I, I can't ignore it. Uh, uh, with Joe Burrow talk, uh, grad transfer or potential grad transfer from Ohio State, graduated this past weekend, has not announced if he's going to stay at Ohio State or not. Uh, and of course, on this Monday, it really uh, broke uh, as far as news goes of just uh, uh, the floodgates open, uh, I guess, as far as Burrow talk goes. And it kind of started with a 24-7 sports, Bill Green. Um, uh, he uh, has uh, a podcast uh, for 24-7 sports, Bucknuts, Ohio State. Uh, and he says Ohio State's Joe Burrow is considering uh, the grad transfer route. Uh, he's in a quarterback battle with uh, Dwayne Haskins and Tate Martell. Uh, talk is Haskins may come out as a starter there and that Burrow would grad transfer from Ohio State. Green said on the Bucknuts podcast, quote, I think it's real. I think the fact that Joe is pretty forthright and honest when he's asked about it he could give the company line answer of oh no i'm staying here this is my school but no he's not doing that green goes on to say quote i know there's a lot of nebraska stuff out there between joey nebraska scott frost and that could very very that could be very very real the school i heard yesterday and it makes sense is florida the florida quarterback situation is not good they don't feel emory jones is ready to play right now they're not happy with what they were handed over there. Dan Mullen has a reputation as a quarterback guru. So there's a lot of things there that make sense. I did hear Joe Burrow's name come up yesterday. So that was from um, the Bucknuts podcast uh, and, and Bill Green from the Ohio State 24-7 sports uh, site there. So I'm uh, glad they got to talk about that. And that was shared around social media uh on monday morning uh so also the subject of a grad transfer quarterback was brought up to mullen monday night in lakeland uh and our friends from 24 7 sports swamp 24 7 you know guys uh, they join us here all the time uh they were there and blake alderman reported mullen said quote not right now we're not really looking at it and then this is in regards to a grad transfer uh, not particular, Joe Burrow, but this was just the talk of a grad transfer in general. Now, quote again, I feel pretty good about the guys we have, the depth that we're creating at the position, and the competition at the position. So, guys, uh, go join Swamp 24-7 if you haven't already. Uh, those guys do a great job, and there's a conversation going on uh, there with his message board uh, on this topic and more, of course. But, uh, you know, I'm going to kind of give my thoughts here about the Joe Burrow situation and kind of where it goes. And now I wasn't for – the grad transfer last year, uh, but this is a, a different, uh, I believe, you know, for me. Uh, I, I feel Burrow is a quarterback that can come in, step in, be a day one starter, uh, played in a similar system, just has he's kind of just been stuck in an unfortunate circumstance at Ohio State. Doesn't mean he's not a good quarterback, uh, but that's what happens when you recruit good quarterbacks year after year the way Urban Meyer has. He has multiple good quarterbacks, and those guys have been highly ranked. Highly recruited, uh, and, and we know Urban Meyer, his reputation at quarterback speaks for itself. You know, when he had Tim Tebow, he had Chris Leak with Tim Tebow on the bench. He had Tim Tebow with Cam Newton on the bench. He had uh, Cardell Jones and JT Barrett, and those quarterbacks stacked up at Ohio State, and this is just one more example of that 
type of quarterback transition that Urban Meyer has. I mean, Burrow was a well, highly recruited uh, and highly ranked four-star quarterback coming out of high school. Uh, he's looked good in a limited time. He's got to play at Ohio State and mop up duty. Uh, looked really good in their spring game. I know we don't want to take too much away from spring game performances, but he did look really good uh, in theirs as well. And uh, Will talks about it. Will's got an article on Joe Burrow on readreaction.com and, and does a really good job of explaining how the, the, the high school accuracy, how it translates to the college game as well. And look, there's just a lot to like here uh, of Joe Burrow and the potential of, of him coming to um, uh, of Gainesville and being a Florida Gator quarterback. And, you know, I don't, I don't expect Mullen to say much about it until, first of all, until it's official uh, that Joe Burrow announces that he is going to be a grad transfer. Uh, plus I don't think, I don't, expect Mullen to say much publicly unless he actually gets Burrow. You don't want to, you don't want that out publicly that you're going after a quarterback, especially if you don't get him, you don't want that out. So I think there is interest there. I do think there may have been some preliminary uh, discussions, Mullen calling Urban Meyer and, and seeing maybe uh, what the scenario could be. Uh, and, and just to see what type of quarterback Burrow would be. Mullen maybe to see, you know, would, would he even be wasting his time? Or maybe Meyer reached out to Mullen and said, look, I really like this kid. I want to do him right. Uh, I think that he would be a good fit in your system uh, for the maybe quarterback troubles you're having down there. I don't know how close Urban Meyer and Dan Mullen are. I do know uh, they were here in Jacksonville together for a Tim Tebow golf tournament, uh, you know, and I've heard they're cordial. They still speak. They're, they're still close. Uh, and we'll see where that goes. But, that's kind of where uh, I stand on the Burrow situation right now. It is the hot topic uh, going on in Gator Nation uh, right now, from message boards to Twitter. Uh, some 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 fans don't want another grad transfer. They were tired of what they saw under the Jim McElwain era of Luke Del Rio and Austin Appleby. And hey, look, the whole Malik Zaire thing. Uh, if you guys followed the Gators breakdown for a while now, uh, you know this was about a year ago we were talking about that. And I was really never for that. I tried to talk myself into it, still couldn't really. I didn't think Mullen and Nussmeyer could, or uh, McElwain and Nussmeyer could, could fit him into that system. I didn't think he was that great of a quarterback to begin with. This is different. I think Burrow would could could step in, knows the offense. He could step right in. I think. Uh, you know, he probably doesn't have too much of a rapport with Trayvon Grimes uh, there. I know, yes, they were at Ohio State at the same time, but there's not much. Yes, they would know each other, but that's about the only guy he would come in and know uh, right away would, would, would be Grimes. But uh, with that offense, a similar style of offense, uh, terminology is probably much of the same. I just think uh, he, he could come in and do – look, it would, up, it would up my expectations for the Gators a little bit, Bob, probably by at least a game. You get Grimes and, and Jefferson available uh, as well. I'm thinking Florida's a 9-10 win team uh, with a quarterback I think Burrow can be. Is that maybe counting my chickens before they hatch and and maybe uh, putting Burrow in a little bit of a pedestal? Maybe so, but I think he's that quarterback that can really come in and make a difference at this quarterback position that Florida so desperately needs help at. So let's go do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. Uh, thanks so much for Matt Wyatt uh, giving us uh, his thoughts on um, uh, Dan Mullen, uh, the quarterback position, recruiting, everything uh, that he had to talk about. Uh, he looked, he looked, he's really, really high uh, on Dan Mullen and the potential that he brings to Florida and, and the way he kind of covered Mullen and analyzed Mullen for the, the 10 years Mullen was there, the way he knows the quarterback position. He's very confident uh, in Dan Mullen uh, and what he brings to the table as a head coach. And hopefully you know, that, that kind of, transitions its way to, to Florida uh, as well. When we saw Mississippi State being able to compete with the big boys, 
Mullen's going to have a little bit more talent now. The talent base in Florida, as we know, is better. And hopefully uh, we're sitting there competing with the likes of Alabama and Georgia for, for the SEC championship uh, once again. So I'm your host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.